Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. We're finishing our, uh, our Joseph series this morning. Uh, who's enjoyed journeying through the character of Joseph? It's been, it's been good. If you, if you missed out or if you've missed the booklets, feel free to, uh, to grab one of the Life Group booklets. Um, it'll be the last Sunday it's out and you can uh, catch up. But it's been great just to journey through uh, the life of the character of Joseph and to, uh, to jump into a story, jump into a narrative and journey through his story. And his story is connected to a, a much larger, greater story. It's the story of the people of Israel. And uh, as we've been journeying, we're right stuck in uh, at the end of the first book of the Bible. It's in Genesis. And uh, Joseph comes at the end of what is known as the patriarchs, as I've said, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And Joseph finds himself in the midst of the, a story. And it's a much greater story that we can look into, we can investigate. But it's also something that we're invited into. You know, stories, I think one of the reasons why we enjoy diving into something like Joseph is because there is something about us that loves narrative, don't we? We love a good story. Because there is something about a story that we can identify with. You've probably heard me uh, quote before Alistair McIntyre, who uh, writes this about stories and about the human heart, our personhood. He says, man or humanity in his actions and practice as well as in his fictions is essentially a storytelling animal. He is not essentially but becomes through his history a teller of stories that aspire to truth. I can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I can answer the prior question of what story or stories do I find myself a part? We're all part of a story and these stories that we find ourselves in, that we identify with, shape who we are. They inform and shape the bigger questions of life, like what am I to do? The who am I question is embedded in the story that we find ourselves in. You're part of a story. You're part of a narrative. You're part of a bigger narrative. You and I, tell ourselves stories. The things that we believe about ourselves, the stories that we believe about ourselves are incredibly important because they shape who we are. And, uh, and the Bible is full of these stories and that's a, it's a wonderful thing. We read in the Old Testament, as we have been over these past few weeks, we, we read these stories of characters, of history, that, that are wonderful, that, that speak of humans in all their goodness and all their brokenness as they journey. And then we continue to go through the Old Testament. We see the culmination of the story being revealed in the New Testament. And again, we see Jesus come. It's this, the story of God stepping down from heaven to earth. And Jesus himself understands the power of story and the way in which we as humans engage with story by telling stories. Jesus is the master storyteller. And as he tells stories, you can see people getting involved, getting drawn in. There's something about stories where we find ourselves identifying with characters. Do you find that? I think that's why we love going to movies, why we love getting engrossed in books is because there is something about them that we identify with. We have this way of placing ourselves in the story. 
You know, on Friday nights, often in the Circum home, we, we have pizza and we'll watch a movie. And, uh, and so the kids will, will choose a movie, often on Disney or on one of those channels, and, and we, we watch a, a movie together. And uh, it can be a bit of a painful process at times because three of our kids are, are, are okay with, you know, most of the Disney cartoons, that kind of thing. But, but Maddie, well, Maddie cannot deal with tension in any way, shape or form. And so she has a selection list of about three movies. She can watch three, and that's it. Any, if there's anything outside of those three movies, it's drama because she can't deal with the tension. She can't deal with, 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 uh, with you know, any, anything that would just cause her any form of angst. And sometimes we just have to overrule and say, I'm sorry, Maddie, but we can't have Ice Age again. We just can't do it. And, uh, and so we, uh, we, uh, we select a movie. And if, when, when we're sitting down, Maddie will often bury her head into my side when I'm sitting on the couch. And she'll wriggle around because she just cannot, the pillow will be over her head. She will lose because it's just getting too tense. And there are two questions that Maddie asks often during these movies. First one, Dad, is that the good person? Is that the goody? Is that the good, are they safe? And the second question is, Dad, are they the baddie? Are they the bad guy? And I actually think that those two questions are often the questions that we ask when we come to the Bible. Often, when we, as we try and identify ourselves in the stories that we read, in the stories of the Bible, where we come with this question, who's good and who's bad? And then we make this step. We identify ourselves with the good person, often. And we think, that would be what I would be like. I'm that kind of, it's like when we watch movies, right? We want, we want to see the, the hero win because we identify with the goody, the good person. I actually think it's a wrong way of reading story because the truth and reality is as we go through the Bible, we see that there is both the capacity for good and evil within the same person. We are created in the image of God. There is something good in us, but there is also something broken in us and fallen in us. And so we are. That's why Jekyll, you know, the story of Jekyll and Hyde is so powerful because it actually speaks to who we are. See, our stories are mixed. We have a desire for good. We have a longing for good, but there is also this great capacity for evil. And that's why stories are really important because we have this capacity to take upon ourselves narratives and stories that break us. Ian Morgan Cron in his book, The Story of You, says this about the storytelling nature of who we are and the stories that we believe about ourselves. He says, most of us are reading off old scripts, parts of which we wrote and parts of which we have been handed down to us by the important people in our lives. In many cases, those scripts helped us navigate the rocky terrain of childhood and early childhood, but at some point, the stories stopped serving us and we started serving the stories. This is how we mortgage our futures. You know, we all have stories, stories that have been developed over time, narratives and scripts that have been shaped when we were kids growing up. 
and we still live out of those old stories, those old scripts, those old truths. There is something about the narrative and the story that we read when we come to the Bible that we need to allow God to speak into our hearts, that we mustn't individualise them because there's a freshness. Yes, we identify with the characters, but we can identify them in all their goodness and all their messiness because that is the truth of humanity. But we also need to acknowledge as we land this series that there is also a greater story that we've been invited into that redeems our scripts, that redeems our narrative. And the big idea that I'd love for us to land in, and I'd love to land this story, is this, that God will, God will redeem your story if you are you're willing to receive it, to receive a new story. God will redeem your story if you're willing to accept it. And we're gonna dive into this last, and we're gonna bounce around these last few chapters in Jacob as, as kind of the writer tries to tie everything together because there are some things that we learn about how God works in the world and how God works in people's lives. And there are three characters. We're gonna do a really quick character study on three personalities. Jacob, Pharaoh, and Joseph as we land these last, land this story. So if you've got your Bible, we're gonna to turn to Genesis chapter 48. And if you do have a Bible, digital or paper, do have it open. Uh, it will be helpful for you as we, as we jump in. And here's the first big thing. This is the thing we learned from Jacob as we dive into this, to this part of the story. There is great power in blessing. There is great power in blessing. Genesis 48, starting at verse eight, words are on the screen behind me. Here we go. When Israel, when Israel, who's Israel? Israel is Jacob. Jacob gets a new name. He gets the name Israel, which as we know will become the, the name of the nation. Israel, when Israel saw the sons of Joseph, so his grandsons, he asked, who are these? Now just give you a context, context now. Jacob has come back, who has come to Egypt because as we remember, we landed, Joseph is now second in command over Egypt, the greatest empire in the world at that time. Significant power, his family is with him. Jacob has come and joined him in Egypt. They are the sons God has given me, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him and his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again and now God has allowed me to see your children too. You have this great grandfather moment. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right towards Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left towards Israel's right hand. And he brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head. Though he was the younger and crossed his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walk faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. 
May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And may they increase greatly on the earth. This whole idea of blessing is a significant theme throughout Scripture and particularly in Genesis. Remember how uh, I spoke about there are certain words which are hyperlinked. When you see a word, uh, often it is, it, it, you click on it and it, it goes and opens up a whole bunch of other references and stories and we see that there is a blessing, the, the blessing that goes right back to Abraham when God comes and blesses him. It's a hyperlink. This goes back to a story. There is a blessing that God has given to the people of Israel. You go back to Genesis 15. Abraham blesses Isaac. In Genesis 27, we see Isaac blesses Jacob. Now, it's really, let me hit pause there just for a moment. It's really interesting. Did you pick up that nuance? When Jacob has his grandsons with him, he blesses the younger rather than the, or he blesses the younger ahead of the older. There's something going on here deep for Jacob. Now, I don't know if it's right or wrong. I, actually, I don't know. I can't, I can't get into the mind and understand, but we, can, we get hyperlinked back to, remember Jacob's story? So Jacob deceived Isaac. Jacob the younger, Esau the older. And Jacob comes and steals or deceives his father and takes the birthright, takes the blessing. There's something going on here for Jacob as he blesses his grandsons. Isaac to Jacob, Isaac blesses Jacob and then Jacob blesses his grandsons and he also blesses his sons. I'm not gonna go through all of it now but in, uh, in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob understanding again the power of story, understanding the story and we see it here. May the God who, who before my fathers walk faithfully. So he, he's, he's anchoring the blessing in his story. He's anchoring what he's saying to his son Joseph and to his grandsons. He's anchoring it in the broader story, the bigger story, the bigger narrative that they are all part of. He then goes on in chapter 49 to bless his sons. And you can read this. There are some random blessings. In fact, I'm not even sure they're blessings. I think they're supposed to be. I think it's his title, you know. But, but I mean, you read through. Some are nice. He says to Reuben, Reuben, you are my firstborn. That, that, that's nice. He says to Simeon and Levi, um, they are brothers. Uh, their swords are weapons of violence. That's what he speaks over Simeon and Levi. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Zebulun, you will live by the seashore. That's a nice one, isn't it? Issachar is a raw-boned donkey. I, I, I'm not quite sure. That, I'm not sure how, you, how to take that. Dan, Dan will provide justice for his people. Dan will be a snake by the roadside. I, I, like if, if I was Dan, I'd go, thanks, Dad. I'm not sure how to take that. Is that a live snake or a dead snake? Uh, Gad will be attacked by a band of raiders. Asher's food will be rich. I'd like to be Asher. That sounds good. Nephtali is a doe set free. Uh, Joseph is a fruitful vine and Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. These were the words that we get. I, now, I, I unpack that. I, prophetic words, obviously significant. But Jacob understands the power of speaking words over his sons and his grandsons. You know, we know that there is something powerful about words. We know there's something powerful about words that we speak. 
We know there's something powerful about the words that we, for those who are parents, grandparents here in this room, you know how powerful it is, the words that you speak over your kids. I'm so aware of it. I'm sure you're aware for all of us, you can remember words that have been spoken over you by your father or your mother or your grandparents or from somebody else. There are words that are spoken in and over our lives that stick with us forever. And so often these words that have been planted, maybe that go right back to three, four, five years of age, they become, these words go deep and they shape our story as Ian Morgan Cron said. The expectations or whatever it is, they go so deep. They may be blessings or they may be curses, but they shape our story and we create a framework, a narrative based on the words and actions of others and we live our story out of the narrative that we believe, out of the words that have been spoken over our lives. Words have power. Blessing has power. Jacob understood in a profound way the power of words and how they shape our story. I'm here to encourage you. Maybe, maybe there are words that have gone incredibly deep for you. They have for me. Words were spoken to me as a, as a child and as a teenager that went incredibly deep, that tore very deep for me. And there's been a journey for me working through, and maybe that's true for you as well. As well. Here's the wonderful news. Is that God redeems, God restores God can replace the words that have been spoken over our life. I love this, the, the, the whole idea, this whole truth that the word became flesh that we read in John chapter one and made his presence amongst us. That there is another word, that that word is God, that Jesus stepped down from heaven to earth, the logos, as John says in John chapter one, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. It's the word that came down that redeems us, that sets us free, that brings us life, that, that takes away the curse. Jesus became the word and then Jesus became the curse in order that we may receive his blessing. Maybe you need to hear that afresh today. Maybe you need to hear afresh that, that the words that have been spoken over your life should not have any power over you, as painful as they are. And I love, there's a, there's a story, and I've just been sitting in it over the last few months, as, and we read it in John chapter 6, where Jesus gives some hard words. And, and then all the people who are following him disappear. They go. And then Jesus says to his disciples, are you going to go to... Are you going to leave me as well? And Peter says this in John, in, in John 6, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where are we gonna go? Where, where, where are we, we, we have nothing but you. You contain the words of eternal life. And maybe this morning, Maybe this morning you're sitting here today 
And there's a different narrative. There's a story that has been working out in your life for decades. And you know it. And today, you just need to say, Lord, where do I go? You have the words of eternal life. God, may I receive your truth, your word in a new way. God, will you redeem my story? We see that Jacob, Jacob here understands the power of blessing, the power of words. And we too are invited to live under that blessing. The fulfilment of Israel is in Christ. He brings us blessing, but it must be received. That's the next step. As you're sitting here, as we sit here, you've got to receive the words of eternal life. You need to receive the truth of his word and it is received through humility. I love, there's a, there's a little part that gets missed in this story and it's actually something that happens in an, an encounter with Jacob and with Pharaoh. Pharaoh here, something to learn from Pharaoh. Who would have thought in Genesis? We read in Genesis 47 this little short story. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in, so they're now in Egypt, and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? How old are you? And then Jacob said to Pharaoh, yeah, let me read this part. The years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my father's. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. Jacob blessed. Again, so Jacob's on this blessing kind of mission. He blesses Pharaoh. But here's the thing. This is why this this story just stands out to me. Just imagine for a moment. Just let's get the context. Pharaoh is the leader of the greatest empire in the known world at that time. And they are, they, are incre- they are seen as a bastion of light for all the nations surrounding Egypt. Why? Because of Joseph's plan coming up with the seven years of, of, of good years before the seven years of bad years. Here is, a, here is a man of great power. So here, you've got Pharaoh on one side. And then you see Jacob walk in this, this wanderer in the wilderness, this shepherd in the desert who's run out of food. And Joseph, yes, Joseph gives Jacob access. And, and obviously, Pharaoh would have respected, had great respect for Joseph. And so he allows Jacob to come into the courts. You can imagine the scene there in the palace or whatever it was there in Egypt. And there stands this shepherd man, old 130-year-old man, shepherd before the king, before the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, rather than treating Jacob, you know, even cordially, or even, you know, with, you know, just as, as some kind of lower servant, invites Jacob to speak a blessing over his life. To me, when I read that, there's something powerful about that. That is an incredible posture of humility from Pharaoh. You know, God wants to speak blessing over our lives and God wants to bless us through others. But I reckon we miss out on the blessing so often because of our own pride, our own inability to receive 
blessing. There's two, two, two ways this works out. Firstly, firstly, we don't receive the blessing because we don't want to submit to a greater power. We don't, we, we don't want to submit. Sorry, that's probably the wrong way of saying it. We don't want to submit to anyone because to submit or to put yourself under or to receive a blessing kind of implies you need a blessing. And so often we walk and go, I'm okay. Oh, I mean, thanks, but you know, I, I, don't, I don't need a blessing. I, I'm, I'm all good, thanks. I've got my life sorted. We actually reject the blessing. We don't look for it. We don't receive it because we're self-sustainable. There's a pride about us. We're not humble. But there's another reason why we don't receive blessing. And it's, it's almost the opposite, but it's the same thing. It's a false humility, which is a, a pride as well. It's an insecurity that says, oh, oh no, I, I could never receive that blessing. Do you ever find yourself when someone uh, just, you know, lords you or, or thanks you or bigs you up, says, hey, you're amazing at this. And do you ever find yourself going, oh, no, 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 it wasn't, no, it's not me. It's not, it's not no, 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 it's not that good. And you come up with all these, uh, so we all often do it. And we, we kind of think that we're being humble, but actually what we're doing is we're dismissing the gifts that God has placed on our life and we're rejecting the blessing. We're rejecting the affirmation that God has for each of us. It's a false humility, which is actually a pride and we actually reject the blessing. I wanna ask you, are you missing out on the blessing of God? Are you missing out on the affirmation of, and the blessing of God from, from himself through his word, through Christ, or through others because of your pride. Now, God wants to speak to us. And so often, because of our own posture, we don't receive it. Why? Maybe, maybe the person's speaking's too young. They're younger than you. They're, they're not as experienced as you, or you don't see them as, as valuable, whatever it is. Now, remember... Uh, ages ago, I just finished my theology degree in the UK and two of my brothers came over and we did a Europe trip. And uh, I, I, uh, my, my brother Dan, who I'm, uh, I can't remember how much older than I think I'm six years older than Dan. Seven, thanks, Megan. Um, uh, this way, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'd been away from home for, for three, four years and so I, I didn't really know Dan um, too well as, as, a, as a grown up guy, but he'd graduated from, um, from school and uh, he came over and I think he was doing his degree. And I saw Dan as still just this, this young kid. And I remember I've got a photo of it here. I don't, it's probably not great, great um, resolution, but we were, we were, we were that, that was us just traveling around Europe. And um, I remember having some conversations with Dan in the car and I treated him with contempt because here I was, I'd just finished my theology degree, you know, I was, uh, he was just some young punk who didn't know too much. But actually, he was an incredibly thoughtful guy who studied the Bible deeply. He's now a pastor. And I remember him and my spirit being challenged as he spoke to me, as he encouraged me, as he opened my eyes to the Bible in new ways as we drove the autobahns of Germany. And I, I had to come and hum, before God humbly and say, God, forgive me for my pride. I just wonder whether we are missing out on what others have to say to us. The blessing 
with that because we're too proud. There is something wonderful in a blessing. There's great power in blessing and we receive it through humility. And here's the good news. It's made available to all. The blessing is for every one of us and this is what we see in the life of Joseph. Genesis 50, let me read this. When Joseph's brothers saw, this is verse 15, Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers and the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God, your father. When their message came back to him, Joseph wept. This is the great reconnection moment, the restoration moment. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Quick side note here. If you want to go and look at the economic policies of Joseph, Joseph was incredible in one side of things, but he also set up the nation of Israel for failure. He actually set up a taxation system and a slavery system in Egypt that 400 years later led to the Hebrew nation, the people of Israel being enslaved. Side note. Good people don't always do great things, including Joseph. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What I love about this is that Joseph had this posture of understanding the work of God in his life and an understanding of the work of God and the work, the sovereign work of God in the life of his family. Don't be afraid, he said to them. Am I in the place of God? I can't, I can't rule over you. This is the complete different posture of the Joseph right at the beginning who said, I'm gonna stand up and you're gonna bow down to me. Here is the fulfilment of the dream. But rather than coming with a haughtiness and saying, you know what? I got it all together. You're right. You get down on your knees and you bow because this is the great fulfilment of the dream. I told you, come on. Remember, remember that dream way back when you tried to kill me? Here it is, people. Here's the fulfilment of the dream. Get me my coat. Joseph doesn't do that at all. He doesn't accept the credit for himself, but rather he gives all the credit to God, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done. And the saving, and the saving not just of me and, and not just of you and not just of my family, but the saving of many lives, of many nations. God had a purpose and a plan. Joseph chose not to operate out of the curse and the pain and the brokenness of his past story. 
but he was willing to acknowledge that God had done something far greater, that there was a story that he was part of that was being redeemed. And he was able to acknowledge and see that it was God's work in his life and in his family. He wasn't living out of his old narrative anymore. (laughs) He's living out of a new story, a redeemed story. And that's why he could freely say, come, I embrace you, I love you. God is doing something far greater than anything that any of us could ever see. And that's the truth for us as well. God is doing a greater work. And just as Joseph said, you know what, God is working out a plan to save many lives. God is working out a plan to save many lives. In fact, God has worked out that plan to save many lives. See, as I said a few weeks ago, Jesus is the better Joseph. Jesus is the better Joseph. Jesus found himself at the bottom, hanging on a tree as we looked at, cursed, cursed to death. Says in the Psalms, cursed is the man who hangs upon a tree. That's why it was such a conundrum for the disciples as they saw Jesus hanging on a tree. Surely, how could God be cursed? Yet Jesus became the curse. The Word who became flesh became a curse for us in order that we may receive the blessing, in order that many lives may be saved, in order that you and my, your and my story may be redeemed. It's good news and it's good news for everyone. Just as Joseph said, this is something, this God is doing something that is far beyond me and far beyond you. It's for many people. So God says, what He's doing in your story is not just about you, but it's not, and it's not just about those around you. It's for all people. And we get to participate in that story. We get to participate in what God is doing in this moment in our life if you are willing to receive it. God speaks blessing over your life. He speaks redemption over your story. He has shown it and He has done it in the cross, at the cross. He's died for you and for me. It's the wonderful news. And I know, I know that this is simple. It's kind of like you're sitting here going, you know what, Andrew? I've heard this so many times. You are not telling me anything new. And I go, I know. But you need to hear it again. I need to hear it again that God is redeeming your story. God has redeemed your story. And the things that you've walked through, the words that you've received, God is wanting to undo again and again and again and again as His presence and His grace comes and touches your heart. He is making all things new. In your life right now, where do do you need to hear the voice of Jesus come and, and bring salvation, come and bring healing, come and bring blessing where there has been cursing, bring hope where there has been despair. Jesus is changing our story. He's changing your story.
Just as I was preparing and we're going to, um, we're going to pray in a minute, we're going to sing, I might get the band to come up. Oh, my heart was just drawn to an old, old song. And if you've been around the church since, you know, the 70s, maybe, maybe you know this old chorus. It's probably the brown, brown book in the Scripture and Song. It's written by Gloria Gaither. And it's a simple chorus and it, and it goes like this. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful of my life. And maybe you need to receive that afresh today. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful my life. God is rewriting your story. He wants to rewrite your story. It takes humility. It takes humility. Like Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, there is a greater power. There is someone who restores, redeems and renews it. And I can't fix myself. It's humility. But as we receive His words of life, as we receive His words of grace, as we receive His blessing afresh and anew, He can renew, redeem, change your story. Do you want that this morning? You wanna receive that this morning? I wonder if we can stand in this place. Hey, I just, I, I, I reckon this is, this is for all of us this morning. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song, Waymaker. Is God can make a way. You know, just for these few moments as a band leader, so just invite space, just for you just to be calm. And almost, it's almost like bringing your, your highlight reel or bringing your life, you know, that you can imagine, you know, the, the, the reel of your life, the movie of your life, your story. And just as you just say, God, God, what still ways? Where's the, where, God, where do you just need to rewrite? What do you need to wipe? What, 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 what's part of the story that I'm still living out that you need to redeem and renew? We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.